Lord, you deserve the glory. You deserve the honor. You deserve to be lifted on high. You deserve to be exalted. You deserve to take your place as Lord and King. You deserve our worship, Lord. You deserve to inhabit the praises and worship of us, your people. You deserve to be King over all. You deserve your place as center of our lives. You deserve to be exalted beyond anything. Why don't you just go ahead and pour your heart before him in worship. He is God and there is no other. He says his glory will share with no one. He will not give praise to graven images. He's God that sits enthroned above everything. He sits enthroned above the cherubim and the seraphim. He sits enthroned above the archangels. He sits enthroned above whatever we can ever comprehend. Is beyond compare. He is, he was, and he will be. He's the director of our lives. In him, everything consists. So go ahead and lift your voice in worship. Go ahead and lift your voice in adoration. Lord, we exalt your name. We acknowledge that you alone are God. We acknowledge that none compares to you. We acknowledge that you are matchless. No one matches to you, Lord. You're greater than what we think is great. The rulers of this world are in your arms, Lord. Nations rise, nations fall, but you remain God. You are constant, Lord. You are consistent, Lord. So receive all glory, Lord. Receive all honor, Lord. Receive our praises this afternoon. Right from this, your sanctuary, Lord. Receive adoration. No other name like the name of Jesus. Not the name of Jesus. No other name. Worship to that name.
glory and worthy of honor. He alone is worthy, worthy of power and of praise. I just want us to reflect on those words. No other name is like the name of Jesus. The Bible says, at the sound of his name, every knee bows and every tongue confesses that he is king. And the Bible Father found that he was given the name that is above all other names, that the sound of the name of Jesus, all will bow. His name is perfect. His name speaks salvation, friends. His name is healer. His name is deliverer. His name is everything. Just take a minute to just think through that. I don't know what you're going through even as you come to this hour of prayer. There could be a name that has scared you. There could be a name that at its sound you are, you, 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 you are just trembling. But I want to encourage you. We have the name of Jesus. The name above all names. The name that has power. The name at which demons tremble. The name that speaks a better word. The name that promises good things. The name that gives us salvation. Why don't you call upon that name this particular moment? Call upon him. Call upon him. Call upon him. It is the name by which we are assured of salvation. It is the name by which we are assured of deliverance. It is the name by which we are assured of you know, him coming to our help. At the sound of that name, demons tremble. At the sound of that name, circumstances change. I want to encourage you right now to pray. Pray to that name. Pray in that name. We have the name of Jesus. We have the name of Jesus. We have the privilege to approach the throne of grace by that name. By that name we are sure that our prayers reach the throne of God. I'm going to encourage you to lift your voice right now. I don't know what name has, has put you down. I don't know the name that has threatened you. But we have the name of Jesus. We have the name that is above other names. We have the name at which knees bow. Lord, we thank you because you've given us a name. We thank you because you've given us the name of Jesus. When the angel came to Mary, the angel was clear. His name will be Jesus, the Savior, because you suffer from their sins. Lord, even when we are burdened with sin, we have that name to which we run to. We have that name that pronounces forgiveness. We have that name that comes to the core of our hearts to grant us forgiveness. We have this name, Lord, by which we can approach your throne and they will receive grace. They will find mercy to help us in our time of need. Oh, Jesus, what a beautiful name you are. What a sweet name you have. That by that name, we are assured that God hears us. So, Lord, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Laying our burdens before you this afternoon. Laying our heavy hearts before you this afternoon. Laying our lives before you this afternoon. Lord, we need you more than yesterday. Lord, we need you more than this morning. Lord, we ask for extra grace at this hour. Lord, we ask for a fresh touch from you. Lord, we ask for leading by you. As you come to this place to pray, as you keep online to pray, friend, I'm encouraging you to pour your heart before him. We have a God who cares. 
with Jesus left his throne in glory for you and me because you matter because I matter the psalmist asks Lord who is the son of man that you are mindful of him who are we that God is mindful of us that he comes in the name or in the person of Jesus he takes on our flesh he shares in our humanity that you and me would be redeemed and the apostle John makes it clear he says he who did not spare his son how much more will he give us all things I mean the apostle Paul how much more will he give us all things through him we have God who loved us we have God who loves us that gives us Jesus just pour your heart. Just pour your heart. Pour your heart. I'm encouraging you to pray. Pour your heart. Pour your heart. Pour your heart. I don't know what you've gone through, but pour your heart before him. I don't know what brings you to this hour of prayer, but pour your heart before him. Lord, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Some of us have heavy hearts this afternoon, but we ask, Lord, that you meet us. We ask, Lord, that you will lighten our loads. You call us to take on your yoke. To give you our burden. Lord, we choose to lay every burden before you. Some of us, it's burdens of sin. Lord, we choose to lay. It's been heavy on us. We lay it before you. Lord, some of us, it's burdens of guilt. We lay it before you, Lord. Some of it is sickness. Sickness of relatives, sickness of close friends. Lord, we lay it before you this afternoon. Some of us are at crossroads financially. Crossroads in terms of our employment. Lord, we come to you. Remember us. Remember us, Lord. Come to our aid this particular moment. Lord, some of us, it's our relations. Things are turning sour and bitter. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to pray. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. He who searches deep within us. He who intercedes for us with grounds that words cannot express. So, Spirit of the living Lord, we ask for your ministry in our midst. Your ministry in our midst. Your minister to us as individuals. Great intercessor, spirit of the living Lord. Have your way in our lives at this moment. You search deep. You search deep. You know our longings. You know our troubles. Let your ministry be real to us this afternoon. We surrender to you, Lord. We surrender to you. We surrender to you. Lord, have your way. Lord, have your way. Blessed be your name. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen, 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 amen. Welcome to this lunch hour service, those that are here physically, those that are 
online. Uh, the text I was given is Matthew 17. I'll read verse 1 through 13. The glory for transformation. Matthew 17, 1 through 13. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then, there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The disciples asked him, Why then do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah comes and will restore all things. But I tell you, Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but have done to him everything they wished. In the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was talking to them about John the Baptist. The word of the Lord. The glory for transformation. But I'm going to do a simple exposition of this text. Then we draw some, some lessons for us this afternoon. This text is put, especially when you look at, look at verse verse 1 to 10. It is positioned in between Jesus' prediction of his death. Earlier on in chapter 16, earlier on, from verse 13, Jesus comes to the disciples, he asks them, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they begin to give their suggestions. And of course, one of the suggestions is clear. Some say Elijah. Others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he asks, but what about you? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And of course, Jesus tells him, actually that has been revealed to you by the spirit, nothing else. And down after that revelation, I think Peter is excited. I have it. Verse 21, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things. And he goes down. And Peter looks at him. He tells him, you man, after such a revelation, you are the son of God. You've confirmed it. The son of God cannot suffer. Jesus tells him, get behind me. Satan. Because Peter 
cannot comprehend. If he is the Christ, if he is the Messiah, then how do I reconcile the Messiah and suffering? And he tells him, never Lord, this shall never happen to you. <laughs> he tells him that revelation that you're the Messiah, I don't see it tallying with suffering. And Jesus calls him Satan. And tells him, you're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. So Jesus tells him, you have known me, you have known the Messiah, but one mark of the Messiah is suffering. And he goes on to say, and all who will bear the same mark must suffer. 24, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. Look at verse 27. For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with the angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. The word glory and suffering seem to be moving together. Now, at the transfiguration, when Jesus takes the three to the mountain of transfiguration, they see his glory. But interestingly, down after seeing his glory, he still talks about suffering. In the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. <laughs> just as it has just happened to John the Baptist. So we are talking about the glory for transformation. And friends, this morning I have good or bad news for you that the glory that transforms is hinged in the sufferings of the Messiah. The glory that brings about true transformation is not divorced from the suffering of the cross. The glory that will bring actual transformation in our lives has a secret in the sufferings of Christ. Let's look at this text critically. So at the mountain of transfiguration, we see there he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then, they appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. As he takes them to this mountain, suddenly, his face, Jesus' face, shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as light. And before him stood Moses and Elijah in conversation. And Peter, John, and his colleague, they are looking at all this, beholding this glorious moment. In Exodus 24, 15 to 18, we see Moses going up the mountain. We see the cloud of God, the Shekinah glory, coming and enveloping him, covering him. We see him talking to God, spending 40 days, 40 nights with God on that mountain. And in Exodus 34, we see when Moses returns from that mountain, his face showed, reflected 
God's glory. But I want us to look at something interesting. Moses just reflected God's glory. Jesus shines like the sun. He has a brightness that comes from within. It's the radiance, the apostle Paul elsewhere says, is the radiance of God's glory. So at this mountain of transfiguration, Jesus is saying, you have had the law. You have had Moses, but all these were pointing to me. You're seeing me in my real glory. Moses was a pointer to me. So as you read the law, it must point you to me. As you see the glory in the law, you must see a greater glory in me. Because I am the real glory. That that enabled Moses. I am here in your midst. I radiate. I am the radiance of God's glory. The second person that appears is Elijah. Moses meets God on the mountain. Elijah met God on the mountain. Same mountain, Horeb, which is Sinai. That's where Moses and Elijah meet God. Now Jesus shows them, I am greater than this. As they met God on the mountain, now I am showing that I am God himself on this mountain. It is me that they were meeting. So Moses who represents the law, Elijah who represents the prophet, all converge in me, Jesus Christ. Verse 5 of Matthew 17, while he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them and the voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. That same cloud that filled that mountain when Moses was on that mountain. That same cloud that filled the temple when it was being dedicated. That same cloud that always filled the holy of holies, the Shekinah glory. It's the same cloud that comes and covers. And listen to the words. In that God himself speaks, this is my son. A confirmation that Peter, the confession that you've made was true. This is my son. Even when he talks about suffering, it is, I'm confirming it in, 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 in that suffering is glory. As you see this glory, if you behold and listen to him, you'll do well to partake of this glory. As your ancestors listened to Moses, as your ancestors looked to Elijah, so now this is he that you must be looking at. He is the one that you must be listening to. So he says, I'm giving you a glimpse of his glory. I am enabling you to see a part of his glory. But this glory is not divorced from humiliation. This glory may not make sense because it has the humiliation of the cross. So Peter, as you rebuke him, just know the cross is part of the glory. So when you're talking about the glory for transformation, friends, we cannot think and talk about transformation void of the cross. The law could not transform. 
the prophets could not transform. Because that is the representation of Moses and Elijah. Now he who is greater than them, he to whom they were pointing, now brings the real transformation. But God says, listen to him. Because what he tells you will be tough. He will tell you, you must eat my flesh. He will tell you, you must drink my cup. He will tell you, you must take up your cross and follow me. Listen to him. If your life is going to count, listen to him. It may not make sense. His words may not be sweet, but listen to him because in that is real glory. John 1.14 The apostle John gives his testimony. He says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. He said, we have beheld, we have seen his glory. But the greatest glory was manifested at the cross. That place of shame. That place that seemingly was a place of defeat. Yet in actual sense, it was the place of victory. That's why the Apostle Paul says, these words of the Christ are foolishness to those who are perishing. For you to see the real glory of God, you cannot run away from the cross. You cannot run away from the sufferings of this Christ. You must embrace his sufferings. You must take on your cross. You must deny yourself and follow him if you are going to see his glory. So the real, the real glory in Christ, the real glory is in Christ. Real glory is in embracing his sacrificial death. So as we talk about a glory that transforms, that glory that transforms is hidden in the cross. That you and me must reach that place where we lay our crowns where we cast our everything and embrace that which Christ has done for us on the cross. We must be willing to open our hearts. We must be willing to give of ourselves. We must be willing to appreciate and accept that which God did for us on the cross. He says, all who are going to taste on my glory must walk this path deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. And he says, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. So the question is, are you trying to save your life or you are willing to lose it for the gospel? Or you are willing to lose it for Christ? It is simple. Just allowing him to be Lord just knowing that he gave it all for you. And this is the iron of it. You seem to be losing it, but actually you gain more. 
He says, come to me, all you are laboring, who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And he goes on to say, take on my yoke. Learn from me, for I am gentle and quiet in spirit. And you find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So that is the glory that God is calling us to. That embracing of Christ. That embracing of Jesus. Walking under that revelation that he is the son of the living Lord. So we must listen to him. We must obey him. We must love him. We must be willing to walk this path. Amen? So as I come to a conclusion, I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 3, 17. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 says... Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Once we are allowing ourselves to walk by the cross, by this gospel, there is a transformation that happens. There is a glory to which we are being elevated. And it says that glory comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So God calls us to that point of totally surrendering to him and allowing his Spirit to reign, allowing his Spirit to take total charge over us. And that is where there is real glory that transforms. So I don't know where you are, but I'm encouraging if you've not come to terms with the message of the cross, that today you will make a decision. That is where there is real transformation. If you've made that decision, but you've been playing around with it, that you'll take it more seriously. You'll renew yourself to this. Because in there is real glory. Amen? It has arise. And we are going to pray. Just take a minute and respond. I don't know what exactly God is telling you even as I share these words. Just respond to God in prayer in a minute and then we will be moving on. Just respond to God. If we are to see his glory, we must go via the cross. If his glory is to transform us, we cannot run away from the cross, friends. Maybe you've believed that the cross is divorced from the glory. I invite you to that point of telling God, forgive me. Help me to embrace the cross in its totality. And friends, the good or bad news is that the cross is bitter. The cross is ugly. The cross is painful. Yet in it is glory. Because at the end of the day, in there there is victory over evil. 
In there, there is life eternal. In there, there is a sure hope. In there, there is a real redemption of our bodies, soul, and spirit. In there is life eternal. And that is where real glory is. So Lord, we come before you this afternoon asking that you give us grace to embrace the glory in the cross. You, the glorified Christ, immediately after that, you took on the cross. After such a transfiguration, Lord, what does this mean for me? Lord, what does this mean for my sisters who are here? Lord, what does this mean for my brothers who are here? Minister to us. Forgive us where we've chosen the other option other than you. And Lord, help us to behold your glory in its totality. We pray that the cross will make sense to us. The Lord will not choose any other option but stick in there. That we will cherish that old rugged cross. That we will cherish the message of the cross. That we will live by that message that that message will inform our day-to-day decision. Because when we are walking by that, Lord, there is glory that transforms. So we ask that you forgive us where we've wallowed in sin. Where we've entertained sin. Lord, we ask that you forgive us. Help us to embrace this cross. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now just take a minute and offer yourself to God. Offer yourself to God afresh. Just ask him to refill you with his presence, with his Holy Spirit. Ask him for extra grace even as you go through life that it will be about him not about you ask him that you will be obedient to Jesus this is my son whom I love with him I am well pleased listen to him ask God to give you extra grace to listen to Jesus to walk by Jesus to have your life modeled around Jesus. To have your decisions influenced by Jesus. In your workplace, in your pursuits, in your family, in your home, in whatever God has given you to do, Lord, we ask that we will listen to you 
And friends, I cannot promise that it will be well even as you listen to him. As you listen to him, he may challenge you over certain lifestyles. As you listen to him, he may tell you, leave this. As you listen to him, it may mean to take certain decisions that may not go well with your peers, that may not go well with you, but in there is glory. Lord, may we not glory in anything else but in you and you alone. As your word clearly says that all I want is to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Lord, that's a hard prayer to make. But give us grace to know you. Give us grace to partake of your suffering. And in those moments that, Lord, we will be refined more, that we'll be transformed from one glory to another. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.